Story Number One Conspiracies Abound The Farm Written by T. Marcus Quiet, Lisa hissed, moving slowly along the crumbling facade of the warehouse. We don't know if they have guards. Sam shot her an annoyed look and moved his feet with exaggerated deliberate care as he followed her footsteps. He knew very well that they needed to be quiet. They were technically breaking and entering after all. The law didn't particularly care whether the target deserved it, especially when they had money. They stalked quietly to the broken window they had sighted while doing recon the other day, tossing a ratty cloth over the shards of glass so that they could shimmy through. Lisa winced and cursed under her breath as she brushed against the side of the frame and a jagged edge tore through her jeans. You're going to have to get shots for, well, everything, Sam muttered. She gave him an acid look and motioned impatiently for him to follow. He did, staying well clear of the bloody chard. Once the two were in safely inside, Lisa took out her phone and turned on the camera. We have infiltrated the trafficker's warehouse, she whispered, putting her lips close to the microphone. We think that the last 100 migrant workers have been imprisoned here and forced to sew clothing that is later sold by Lily, BZB, and other upscale chains. She turned the camera to her own face. The cops won't lift a finger without probable cause. Never mind the lobbyists working for Lily were one of the largest donors to the district attorney's campaign. We're going to capture proof that they sweep under the rug so that these slaves can go free and their corporate masters can be brought to justice. Sam rolled his eyes. Jesus, Liz, what happened to staying quiet, he muttered. We're here to document atrocities. We can edit your Workers of the World Unite spiel later, in post. He swept a hand around the decrepit closet that they had snuck into. When we're not breaking the law... She shot him another annoyed look, but nodded and crept over the rusted doorway that led to the warehouse proper. They moved down the darkened hallway strewn with debris, wincing whenever the shoes crunched over loud on the remnants of the crumbled brick that spilled from the walls. Eventually, they found the precarious staircase that led them to the upper level. From there, though, through a series of disused stockrooms, they began to see signs of habitation as they moved, discarded pallets that looked newer than the warehouse's original debris and some empty cardboard boxes carelessly tossed into a corner. In one room, they found a few pairs of broken shackles, the kind that let you shuffle along with a chain looped through the handcuffs. Lisa swept the camera close to them and, with her face locked in a stony disapproval, then continued onwards. At an odd draught, wind swept past Sam's face, he turned to look behind them but saw nothing, although he had let his gaze linger on the darkened corners for a few seconds. He had a feeling of being watched, probably just nerves, but there was a lingering unease that, uh, Come on, Lisa whispered. He reluctantly turned back to face her. We need to keep moving if we don't want to get caught, she insisted, turning to walk forward. She's right. A voice said from behind him. Sam spun around, his heart pounding. A man stood several paces away, where Sam had seen nothing just seconds before. He's not young, but not quite old yet, wearing a battered tan trench coat and making no attempt to be stealthy. Just standing, looking at the two of them with an odd, weary expression on his face. 
Who the frick are you? Lisa hissed, keeping her voice low. Do you work here? Are you one of them? If I was, this would be a much less reasonable conversation, the man sighed. You kids need to leave. Lisa stalked over to stand in front of the man, her shoulders squared. He didn't react except to arch an eyebrow. We're not going to let you stop us from telling the truth, she spat. There are innocent people being held prisoner here. The stranger smiled, shaking his head. The truth, he chuckled, although Sam heard a healthy leavening of bitterness in his voice. That's not what you want. The smile dropped from his face, and he stared down at Lisa with cold, dark eyes. You are in over your head, young lady. You and your friend need to leave right now. She shook her head emphatically. We're not going anywhere and abandoning those people, she hissed. Those people are the reason I'm here, the man said. I'm going to help them and make sure that those responsible get what's coming to them. Lisa's face lost none of its fury, and he slumped forward with a bit less of a chill in his expression. Come on, kid. Just leave this one to the professionals. A professional what? She asked snightly, sniffing the air. Have you been drinking? You would too, the man muttered. Seriously, though, you need to leave, or the best-case scenario is that they'll kill you. Sam blanched. Kill us, he asked. Wait. The grinding noise of the gravel under boots sounded in front of them, and the man's face snapped up to look at the door. Crap, he muttered, reaching into his coat. His hand came away with a wooden token that had pressed against his thumb. A droplet of blood whirled up before sinking into the token's surface. The air around them seemed to waver oddly, and the colors becoming dimmer. Whatever you do, the man said quietly, don't move, don't speak. Any question Sam might have had fled from his mind as a man emerged from the shadows and healthily skinny and pale. He was carrying a compact machine pistol and looking around warily with bloodshot sunken eyes. Sam's heart pounded and the guard's gaze swept over him and continued on without lingering, as if he wasn't even there. Slowly, he twisted his head to look at Lisa, who seemed rooted in place and her eyes locked on the guard's gun. Behind her, the stranger's lips were moving soundlessly. His eyes were closed, and he held another wooden token firmly between his thumb and his forefinger. He brought his hand up to point directly at the guard, who was looking suspiciously at the far corner of the room and sniffing in an unsettling manner of his predator scenting prey. The man's eyes opened, revealing a golden iris's. Himalia Sarpatania Manu May, he whispered. Ada. He guard dropped the gun and clatter and began frantically clawing at his head, fingernails drawing blood furrows from his sculpted chin. Sam and Lisa watched transfixed as he sank to his knees, shuddered and collapsed, his eyes wide and staring, puffed into greasy black smoke and lingered in empty sockets. They both turned to stare at the stranger. He was standing with his head cocked to the side, listening to something Sam couldn't hear. There was a pause before he snorted and rolled his eyes, which had returned to a more normal color. Yes, I know that's not how it goes, he muttered. Freck off. The freck was that, Lisa stammered. You killed him. Nah, the man said. Just put him in the timeout bin for a bit. He walked over to the smoke corpse and peered down at it, and then nodded in satisfaction before turning back to Sam and Lisa. So, um, listen, change your plans, he said. 
After this, there is no way you're making it out of here on your own, so your dumb rears are going to stick with me. Do what I say when I say it and you might live. No promises. Dude, what the frick is going on? Sam asked. Who are you? Right now, I'm working on a pretty massive headache, the man said, taking a small flask from his coat, and you can call me Ethan. They both watched in bemused silence as Ethan took a pull from the flask, then stowed it back in his coat. Well, come on then, he sighed, walking towards the dark hallway. Let's get this over with. Sam exchanged a look with Lisa, but they were both too stunned to do anything but fall into step, gingerly skirting around the twisted corpse on the floor. They followed Ethan as he picked his way forward in the dark, occasionally pausing at the intersections and consulting something that they couldn't see before moving on. After several minutes, they arrived at a walkway about a cavernous, dimly lit space that stretched out before them, filled with rows of tables where emaciated-looking people sat listlessly, stitching shoes together. Lisa's face contorted, a slight pushing back of terror from earlier. We were right, she whispered. This is proof that we needed when people see the real cost of their clothes. Ethan started laughing quietly, and she broke off to glare at him furiously. You think this is funny? she demanded. You think this is about clothes? he countered, gesturing at the factory floor with a twisted smile. You brought a camera with you, right? Go ahead. Boom. Show the people the truth. Lisa glared at him and reached for her phone, flicking it open, the camera app, and pointing it at the workers. We found... she began, before choking and looking wide-eyed at a phone screen. Each worker in the grainy video had a nebulous, dark tendril that wrapped around the neck, caressing their face and twisting itself to the hair. The tendril seemed to pulse and writhe, and as she planned the camera up, she saw that they were joined together in a twisted mass of floating high above their heads. In the center of the mass was a single yellow eye, with a slit pupil that stared down at them greedily, flicking its attention to each worker in turn. What is that? she sputtered, horrified. What is it doing? That would be a demon, Ethan said, drawing out another wooden token, and not one of the fun ones. It's a farmer. A farmer? Sam asked faintly, tending to its crop, Ethan confirmed. Degradation, misery, loss of innocence, tasty snacks for a demon. He clamped the token against his thumb and Sam saw another splash of blood well up. Lisa was gasped, and Sam looked at the phone. The yellow eye had shifted and was staring directly at them. Ethan, it's... Sam stammered. Yeah, I see it, Ethan replied, gritting his teeth. His eyes flashed gold and wisps of light began to leak from the corners of his mouth. He rose to his feet. Hi, he said, raising his arm. I'm guessing you're not going to let me read the formal eviction notice. There was a barely perceptible rumble that ran through the warehouse, rippling over the dirty concrete. The workers didn't react at all. Ethan grimaced and tightened his grip on the token. I didn't think so, he muttered. Fine, we can do it with brute force. Sam flinched as the wooden token shattered in a sharp crack, sending a rush of luminous energy towards the center of the room. Ethan staggered and gripped the balcony railing with his free hand, and Sam felt sick jolt of nausea and foul smelling gust of wind smash into him from the center of the room. As one, the workers on the factory floor tilted their heads back and began to scream. Sam clapped his hands over his ears and crouched down in terror. The screaming was unearthly, so loud and raw that it drove every thought from his mind, except that he wanted to stop, 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 and it did.
The workers collapsed and the tables while Ethan fell to his knees, breathing heavily and clutching his hand tight over his ribs. Ow, oh, damn it, he winced, freaking overachiever. Couldn't just go quietly. No, had to make a damn show of it. Lisa stared out at the fallen workers on the floor, lying insensate, and slumped over half-finished sneakers. Are they dead? she asked tremulously. Nah, Ethan wheezed. They're just having a really, really bad day. He fished a picture from his pocket and peered at it, then looked it out over the factory floor. Come on, he said, I still got a job to do. They followed him down the nearby staircase and out amongst the fallen. Ethan stumbled towards the table at the near end of one of the rows where a young man had fallen back in his chair, mouth hanging open as he stared slightly upward. As Ethan took a picture out of his coat pocket once more, Sam saw that it was a headshot of the same man, albeit smiling and better fed. Ha! Found you! Ethan muttered, pulling another token from his pocket. He laid the wooden disc on the man's forehead and jabbed his thumb onto it. The unconscious man's limbs floated up, and as Ethan grabbed the collar of his shirt, the man came free from his chair as if he was weighed nothing. Come on, kids, he sighed. Time to clear out. Need to get a car before it wears off. Wait a second. What about all the other workers? Lisa asked indignantly. We can't just leave them here. I'm only getting paid for this one, Ethan said. They'll be fine. Someone else will come along. You can't know that. Lisa objected. We're in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's going to wander by. Ethan chuckled, although there was little mirth in it. Oh, it won't be by accident, he said. These folks have been steeping in pain for fear for weeks. They're about as far gone as a soul can be without going insane. And maybe a bit past that. They'll need comfort, security, healing. Sam gulped, his eyes flicking involuntarily upward. And someone up there will arrange for it, he asked. Oh, they'll be falling over themselves, Ethan confirmed. The difference between angels and demons is just a matter of dietary preferences. The hunger, that's the same. You forgot about the utter lack of style, Lisa said. He whipped his head around and stared at her. She was leaning against one of the other tables jauntily, playing with the unscrupulous worker's limp hand. Ethan's eyes flicked to the bloody scratch on her thigh, then up to meet her cold gaze. Careless thing, Lisa said, smearing a finger with blood. Left a nice big dollop of shard of glass just sitting there. She dropped her finger to her mouth, contemplating the taste for a second before withdrawing it and smiling. Hello, Ethan. Ethan's jaw clenched. Lilith, he grated. She waved a worker's hand at him and then let the woman's arm drop. He can't just barge in and start destroying things, you know, she said reproachfully. This was by the books. It followed the rules. I thought above was all about their little rules. I work alone. You know that, Ethan replied, circling warily around her with a floating body in tow. Lisa gave him a mocking smile that stopped well short of her eyes. Don't toy with me, paladin, she whispered. Their mark is scorched into your bones. You're a kept thing, as much as it might comfort you to pretend otherwise. She took a step forward and frowned. The right side of her face drooped. Get out of her, Sam muttered, clenching his fist. Leave Lisa alone. Oh, you precious thing, Lisa cooed, giving him a lopsided smile. Her voice slurred as she spoke, and her motions were unsteady. Don't you worry. She's too weak to tolerate me for long, but you... 
You lovely dumpling, you've got such potential in you, such dynamism, and that's the savory part. She took a wobbling step towards him, reaching out her hand. How about it? Can I ride you all the way down, scrape away the marrow? I'll even let your little friend here go as a trade. Sam hesitated, looking at not Lisa's glassy eyes. Don't listen to her, Ethan said grimly. Lisa is already dead. You can't save her. Lisa shot him an annoyed look. The skin on her face started dissolving into ash. Bah! No fun, she muttered dustily. You dried up all piece of gristle. Humans are supposed to be changeable. It's literally why you were made. It's no fun if you stick to your guns all the time. What would you know about change? Ethan asked softly. You'll never know what that's like. And it burns you, doesn't it? She surged forward, stopped just before his face. Tongue of flames curled out of the empty eye sockets as she leered at him from the skeletal grin. His favorite children, she whispered mockingly. One day, paladin, I'll have a vessel that can hold me in my fullness, and that day you will learn about change together. I will rasp the marks on your bones and hold the taste of your soul on my tongue. Ethan leaned in close as he could, the flames from her face singeing his eyebrows. Little honey, he said softly, it's a date. With a gasping cackle, Lisa's body collapsed to the floor, sending up a cloud of ash. Ethan looked up at Sam, who was now staring at the scorched bones with tears running down his face. Sorry, kid, he said warily, taking out his flask and offering it to Sam. Nothing you could have done. But she just killed her, Sam objected, not acknowledging the flask. She just killed her for no reason. Jealousy, Ethan said. He took a long drink and replaced the flask in a pocket. They talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they can't stand any of it. They hate that they are dependent on us, that the younger creature is the more interesting to a... Certain parties they are. We have the freedom to choose our purpose, our destiny, and that most of all is why they hate us. Sam looked back towards Lisa's burnt remains and felt a cold pit in his stomach. She didn't get a choice, she said quietly. Yeah, well, Ethan said, his gaze picked upwards for a moment. That's why we hate them. Then the story.